Ni hao. Good morning to you all. Uh, let's just pray before we open up uh, God's word. Father, we are thankful this morning for your great goodness to us. Lord, we are dependent upon your mercy and upon your grace and power. May we this morning, as we look at your word, be people who are dependent. Guide us by your word and by your spirit. In the precious name of your son. Amen. Some people really like celebrating birthdays. There's good food and birthday cake. A special time with family and friends. And presents are always nice as well. Birthdays are a good time to stop and take note of all the blessings that God has given and the ways he has helped and led us up to this point through another year. They are a celebration, a marker of time to know up until now, God has helped me. And I know he will continue to do so. God encourages us as his people to remember his faithfulness to us and his saving and his saving power to remember that regularly. This is why we gather with other Christians. Why we share communion together. And why so many other parts of our church and our Christian life are done to remember the Lord's provision for us. At City Reach Marion, we are celebrating our fifth birthday. In, in 2018, we began meeting in the school library over there. And since then, we have seen so many ways in which God has helped us. We have seen God provide this building. We have seen God raise up those who have been willing to go to be sent out to, to Poland. To Canberra, to Mount Barker, to start new churches and make disciples. Most of all, we've seen God provide the salvation of those who did not know Jesus. We've seen many people baptized. 
and many more grow in their faith in Jesus. In so many ways up to this point, God has provided for us. Uh, this morning we want to give thanks for that. But we also want to take a moment to see how God works in the lives of his people. We are considering a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 7 where God's people learnt a lesson in trusting God for his salvation and provision. A lot like us, the Israelites at times, were prone to forgetting all that God had done for them. They depended on their own abilities to provide security for themselves. And they trusted in false things and idols to save them. This morning we want to think briefly about our predicament without God. What taking God seriously looks like and how we see God as our rock of help. Firstly, our predicament without God. The people of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 7 had been through a lot. They'd seen their enemies capture the Ark of the Covenant. They'd seen the death of their leader, Eli. And when God had punished their enemies and the Ark was returned, the Israelites then had been so disrespectful to God and His holiness. They'd seen God punish them as well. These were all the consequences of the result of God's people not trusting in God. They trusted in false gods. The idols of the nations around them. And God had judged them and completely humiliated their enemies and their false gods as well. So in verse 2 of chapter 7, we see the people were lamenting after God. They, saw, they had seen this is something they had done. They had rejected God. And to be without God is a horrible place to be in. Especially when it's your actions that have led to this happening. We in our own lives uh, 
face many choices that seem small and insignificant. But even in small moments, uh, we can choose to be dependent on God or trust our own strength. A choice about how we spend our money reveals whether we trust God or not. A choice about how we will react to a hard conversation reveals how we will trust God or not. Bigger choices reveal even more about what we trust in. What school will we send our children to? What income will I declare on my tax return? Will I tell anyone about my personal burdens or struggles? Samuel here points out to the people of Israel. They didn't just need to lament after God. But to turn back to him with their whole heart. To choose to put away the false things they're trusted in and choose to direct their hearts to serve God and him alone. What we trust in is revealed in our actions. And when we do not trust in God, like the Israelites did in this passage, we'll find ourselves in a horrible predicament. Just as Israelites came to realize. They were surrounded by enemies on the outside and knowing they'd rejected God on the inside in their hearts. Even we as Christians can fall into this same trap of saying we trust in God. But in moments of extreme pressure or pain, we soon see we've been trusting in ourselves. Just last weekend, a two-year-old had a seizure. He's doing fine now. But at the time it happened, in the hours after, I soon realized that my, uh, my prayers are hardly ever real until I really, 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 really need God. My fear outweighs my faith in those kinds of moments so often. And when we treat God as optional 
or see him as just someone we call upon in a crisis. But is not someone who is with us in the everyday moments of life. We set ourselves up for an even more horrible experience in harder times. Because in harder times, we'll be more anxious, more impatient, angrier. Trying to live life without God. It may seem easy and peaceful for a season. But eventually, everyone who turns from God finds themselves in a place where they are desperate for deliverance and salvation. And this is secondly where we need to take God seriously. It's not just children who like to blame their siblings or other children for things going wrong. For something getting broken or someone getting hurt. Adults have the same reaction of finger pointing when something goes wrong. When we act like this, always blaming others, or not looking to our own heart, we're not taking God seriously. We're not acknowledging that we need Him, that we're accountable to Him, and we need rescue by Him. My sin is never anyone else's fault. Our sins are not first in our culture or in another culture. Or from some outside influence, even though we can be tempted to sin. Our sin is rooted in our hearts. We do not take God seriously, and we not love we do not love him as we should. In verses three and four, we see the Israelites know. This, they had not taken God and His glory seriously. So in verses 5 to 6, they gather to pray. To fast and confess their sins to God. With Samuel interceding for them as a priest. Here they begin to truly repent. True repentance is taking God seriously by turning to Him with our whole heart, holding nothing back. True repentance is 
entering fully into a community with others who are confessing their sins to God also. And together we seek after God. We call upon his name for deliverance, for help and provision. True repentance as well as we see here is grounded in the worship of the one true and living God and the sacrifice that he accepts. God cannot be worshipped with anything or anyone else. For Christians, these things should be displayed in the life of our church. Gathering together for, for worship, for communion, for the preaching of God's word, for the confession of sins. And reminding one another of the forgiveness we have found in Jesus. I've recently started a book. This details the story of a young woman who grew up in a church. It's, the book is about her deconstructing her faith. Not seeking to get a clearer picture of Jesus. But for her tearing down all of her experiences with the parts of the church and Christianity meant tearing down Jesus as well. Once Jesus was precious to her, now he is a joke. God is just the old bearded man in the sky. Who takes pleasure in punishing people. And for her, peace is found by creating your own version of God that accepts you just as you are. Much of our failure as Christians and as a church is in not taking God seriously. We take our programs seriously. We take our singing seriously. We even take our preaching seriously. And we say we take our prayer seriously. But somewhere along the way, it is easy to top, stop taking God seriously. And when we do not take God seriously, we make church about us, about what we get out of it, whether we're comfortable, whether we like the song choices, the illustrations in the sermon, 
the children's program. We form opinions about everything. But never serve God with our whole hearts because because well, there might be better options. This is not a good position to be in. Because we soon forget the whole reason we are meant to gather together. How we are meant to be God's people. That we are to show how great God is. To show there are no other options. There is no other hope, no other light. Israel thought the Baals and the Ashtaroth were better options. What are your better options? It's easier to stay home and watch church online after a big week or a big night than it is to come in person. It's easy to catch up with friends. Get involved with hobbies or sports. Or streaming that new season of your favorite TV show. Or saying yes to more and more work. The things we often say yes to, we say yes to because we believe they'll give us more security and comfort. But true security and true comfort are not found in career, work, study, or our children's education or health. Or in the best acted movie, TV show, or well-crafted book. True security and comfort are found in taking God seriously and choosing to direct our hearts to Him. This is now where we need to see, lastly, God as our rock of help. The people of Israel had found themselves in a terrible predicament. The consequences of their trusting in other gods had led to defeat and death. And now in verse 7, as they gather to pray and confess their sins, they're faced with the Philistines who gather again to destroy them. They had truly repented. Samuel had intervened to God for them. There'd been an offering for the sacrifice of their sins. And now, in verses 8 to 11, the Lord answers Samuel's intercessory prayer in an amazing way. Verses 
when we turn to God, heaven breaks through with mighty power. One thing I never find, uh, cease to find amazing is the power of a thunderstorm. Listening to the thunder and rain on the roof at night has always been a special thing. The power that comes with a thunderstorm can't help you but feel small and insignificant. The strike of lightning and the roll of thunder, even when you know it's coming, still wakes you up. When God delivers his people, he rends the heavens and comes down. The Lord thundered with a mighty sound, defeating the enemies of Israel just with a small glimpse of his power. God delivers his people from their enemies. And accepting the sacrifice for sin, he accepts their confession of sin. And they're delivered from themselves in that action, in that moment as well. The deliverance of God in such a miraculous way was undeniable. When that thunder rolled, no one in Israel would have said they had saved themselves. No one could have claimed that they had the power to defeat the enemies the way God did. And for Christians, it is the same. Only by God's intervening and powerful grace are we saved from sin and our enemy is defeated. Only through the perfect sacrifice and intercession of Jesus do we have deliverance and help from God. In verses 12 and 13, Samuel's next act after this mighty deliverance was an important one. He sets up a stone and gives it a name. Not many people name rocks. Except in Australia. We have Uluru. And maybe you had a pet rock as a child. But naming an inanimate object seems to give an identity to it, which doesn't seem to make much sense. But the name of the rock, Ebenezer, 
doesn't draw attention to the rock itself, but to the God who delivers with great power, the God that provides all that his people need, up to this point, God has helped us. The rock was meant to remind God's people. It was not their power that saved them, but God's. And of course, as Christians, our Ebenezer is the cross. A cross made of wood is powerless on its own. But when the eternal Son of God is nailed to it and takes the sins of the world upon himself, giving his very life as a sacrifice, heaven breaks through. God saves. If you're not a Christian today, I encourage you to consider the deliverance that God offers. Because there, there is no other way, no other path, no other rock, no other life except in Jesus and what he provides. To call upon his name is the best thing you can do. Forgiveness of sins and eternal life are offered to you. If you are a Christian, consider the lesson of Ebenezer. A rock of help. A marker in time of when you know God has helped you and delivered you. And it is not just in communion that we should remember what God has done. One look to the cross of Jesus shows us that God is powerful. God can save. And heaven has come down to save us. He has helped us, not anyone or anything else. So if we are faced with great burdens of health or of not knowing how we will pay our bills, of illness, of relationship breakdown, up to this point, God has helped us. When we're faced with the pressures of a work environment and deadlines and things that drain us, up to this point, God has helped us. For us as a church, here at Marion, if we face a dilemma in our English congregation or our Chinese congregation, up to this point, God has helped us. Our English 
If we're confronted with our own personal sin, we confess. We acknowledge only God can save. And up to this point, God has helped us. As a church, we must grow in our dependence on the God who helps us. Moments of crisis are good for that. But it is far better to trust in God for our daily bread. To trust Him every day, knowing for certain, up to this point, He has helped us. We must gather together, we must pray together. We must seek God's deliverance, but not just from the outside circumstances. Greater than this, we would seek his deliverance for our hearts to be transformed to be hearts of Jesus. We will pray, we will worship, we will place ourselves under God's word. We will trust in his sacrifice and remember to this point, he has helped us. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful we have a Savior. Thank you for our Savior, your Son's willingness to come from heaven to earth. That you always rescue. When your people call on your name. Lord, we ask as your church here at Marion that we will be a people who call on your name. That we will be completely dependent on you. And we would constantly remember. Up to this point, you have helped us. We praise you for your work and for the love of your son. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to welcome now um, some of the elders and deacons as we uh, spend some time acknowledging Pastor Sam. Well, today we are not only acknowledging that God has helped us up to this point as a church and that we are dependent upon him and we are grateful for his faithfulness. Uh, today we 
We're also 